NetCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, NetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at netcloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, netcloud.com. Building and scaling businesses. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Andrew Block, PR and marketing expert, and someone involved in buying and building all aspects of some of the world's biggest companies. It's a pleasure to have you on the Vanguard podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Yeah, lovely, lovely to catch up again. Of course, we we last saw each other in Riyadh. Uh, what uh, what a, what a great experience! Thank you uh, very much for coming. We'll we'll get on to your background and 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 of course how how we came to uh, this this theme. But let's start with our three quickfire questions. We're, we're talking building and scaling companies. Um, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Well, I think most people that start a company have a view that they would like to exit it at some stage. Not everyone. Some people are happy running a lifestyle business. But if you're starting a business with the intent of selling it, I think probably the problem we're trying to solve is how do you set yourself up to do that from day one? Okay, yeah, I, I get that. And there's, there's a lot of talks out there uh, trying, to, trying to show people how to get an exit or how to maximize uh, their exit. Um, but, but taking a step back, what about you? Where does your passion for this come from? I think I've always had a passion for business and entrepreneurship. I didn't start out on day one owning my own business. I worked for someone else. But within five years of, sort of getting the experience that I felt I needed, um, I co-founded my own PR agency, which I exited and then got some of it back and then did an MBO. Um, and I've always had a passion for helping other people grow, helping them succeed. For me, it was an incredible journey that transformed my life, both personally, financially, professionally. And I want other people to experience the same. And there's lots of pitfalls, lots of difficulties selling a business is you know without being too much of a cliche a complete roller coaster so i want to be able to use my own personal experience as an entrepreneur and a founder who has exited to help other people so i guess that's where my passion comes from and and so what about the completely uninitiated out there they may not even have thought of starting their own business or they may have run their business but they've never thought of selling it uh, what what should the uninitiated better understand about this universe gosh big question um well first of all you have to understand your motivations for selling so it could be personal reasons it could be purely financial reasons it could be personal growth it could be to help your company achieve the next level of success that you're not capable of doing within the current parameters of how your business is set up you then need to figure out who would buy you um, and out of that sort of universe of potential buyers 
who you feel would be the right fit to meet those objectives that I mentioned before. And then you have to know, how do you make it happen? And that's where I try and help and advise people on that journey, you know, from day one of setting up through to businesses that have been running for 20, 30, 40 years or more independently. Fantastic. Well, that makes that makes sense. And that paints a great picture. And of course, the motivation uh, that that that's key. Well, why does anyone start a business? Why does anyone attempt to scale it? And then why, why do you want why do you want to exit? Um, but but yeah, it you know, it, it's a pleasure to have you on. And it's lovely to uh, see you outside of Saudi. You know, you, you came over, you were very kindly uh, helping us with a with a with a with a big event. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the keynote speaker of the moment? The keynote spoker and so um I I work with Lord Sugar and I have done for 23, 24 years. Um I started off um he was a client of my PR agency, was looking after products and various things that he was launching, and that relationship sort of developed over time as we grew to know each other and trust one another. So now I look after all of his personal representation, um, his management. Um, I look after on the apprentice show when someone goes on to win that show, I will work with him to look after the winner and help them make that transformation from what is essentially a TV personality through to being a credible business person and help them scale that business and hopefully make a success of it. And that's a job I've done since the Apprentice started in 2005. I think with the next series is going to be the probably going to get this wrong now. 18th series. Um, so it's I, it, it is something that I'll never get bored of because every show is different. All the contestants are different. Every winner is different, and they come with their own sort of challenges and opportunities. So it's it's not for me. It's not a repetitive job. It's something that I look forward to every year. Yeah, and. I, as a as an audience member, look forward to uh, to watching. Um, I, I do remember all the way back in two thousand and five. You know, it was it was it was actually quite uh, nicely timed whilst I was finishing studies and thinking about the next uh, the next step. And 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 actually, some of it seemed accessible, uh, and some of it seemed oh inaccessible. I I wonder if I could uh, not have the the lifeline of a salary, you know, that, that kind of mentality. So, so maybe if we, if we do back to basics, um, there will be people out there, they're, they are tethered with a salary and they think, Oh no, I can't, I can't do this. What should, what should, what's, what's their thought process? I know what mine was, but what, 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 what should uh, theirs be? But it's, I've been through that thought process myself and there's something quite comforting about getting a check, um, land in your bank account on the last day of the month every month regardless of if you've been ill been on holiday had a good month had a bad month i think it was my dad always used to say to me and my dad was um in a different industry but quite entrepreneurial and ran his own business he, he always used to say you'll never get rich working for someone else and i was actually very very happy because in the five years that I was working for someone else, I was progressing really quickly, making sort of incremental increases to my salary, rising up the ranks. And in my mind, I could see a pathway to becoming CEO of this company. And it was my dad who sort of constantly sort of in my ear 
saying that's not what you want you know there's a ceiling to that if you want to break that ceiling and have your own sort of financial freedom and independence then you've got to do it on your own and when the opportunity came to me and it was actually the ex-MD of the first company I worked for that came to me with the idea to do it and I said to him now I don't think I'm ready yet I want to get a few more years under my belt and I think that is a natural reaction that people always feel like I need that one more job another year build my experience but you know what my um co-founder said to me and I'll never for forget it because I think it was so true so he said you know you will never feel ready um and I and I listened to that and I guess the thought process that I went through which sounds like it's a bit of a sort of negative thought process but it was what's the worst that can happen and when I worked through that process in quite a logical way I kind of figured out the worst that was going to happen is this isn't going to work and I will have to go cap in hand to my old employee and say I made a mistake will you have me back or I'd have to go and put my CV back on the market but I knew I was employable and that was the worst that could happen and I was 26 when I founded Frank Young and I think there is no better time to do it than when you're young because you have less less barriers in the way you know I wasn't married I was paying a modest rent for a flat so I didn't have a huge mortgage I didn't have kids I had youth and energy on my side. I'd like to think I still have a bit of that. Well, maybe not so much the youth, but I still have energy. So, you know, I think the, the more responsibilities you have in terms of outgoings, in terms of family, the harder that decision becomes. But then if I fast forward sort of 20 years, my company was successful. It was running well, um, making good money. I was earning a great salary. But there was some sort of itch inside me. I'd been running an agency for 20 years. It's a, it's a relentless thing to do. I felt like I wasn't scratching my entrepreneurial itch as much as I could. I wasn't learning as much as perhaps I needed or I wanted. So I effectively made the decision to start again. And I discussed it with my shareholders. We ended up agreeing I would become non-exec still a shareholder in the business but um alleviated of my day-to-day -day responsibilities and free you know within reason to do whatever else that I wanted and I set myself a target not that I needed to but I like to work to targets because I'm quite competitive and I need something to sort of look ahead to and my target was I'll try and within a year make the same as I was making as a salary in my previous job um but have a little bit more spare time um and I smashed that target like I can't remember how quickly but like well in advance of a year and I realized that even when you're on quite a high salary if you've got a good plan if you've got the experience if you've got the confidence to do something actually making money is not that difficult um and I still set myself targets I'm three and a half years into sort of this new phase of my career I still set targets because I think you need something mm. to sort of reach to and I don't know whether it's coincidence or 
due to setting targets, but I meet those, uh, you know, I haven't failed to meet those targets and I've exceeded them and had to adjust them sort of along along the way. But it's not as hard as you think it is. I think the hardest thing is doing it in the first place and making that commitment to make the move to go out on your own. And of course, you know, there are certain things you need to consider. You know, I think lots of people would like to start an airline or own a hotel, but you have to be realistic in terms of what's achievable. You have to play to your strengths. I think one of the big learnings for me was, um, and I was never one, and I'm still not one, to sort of reflect deeply on my previous experience. But starting out with a blank sheet of paper, I felt it was important to take a step back and think about what do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? What am I good at? What am I not good at? And then basically channel myself in the direction of doing things that I enjoyed that I was good at and avoiding the things that I wasn't and that I didn't. And that's worked really well for me. And it sounds such a simple thing, but I guess I just went through the motions for years and years doing stuff I was good at, stuff I wasn't, stuff I enjoyed, stuff I didn't, without ever really questioning it, partly because... You know, I had a big responsibility and a lot of staff had huge overheads. I perhaps didn't have the luxury to say no as much as I do now. Um, but going through that thought process for me was A, quite a sort of cathartic exercise. And B, has allowed me to build a career in areas that I naturally excel in. Um, I only say yes to things I know I can do a great job on. Never set myself up to fail. Um, and I really enjoy it. And as a result of that, I do it effectively, efficiently, and I bought myself back time, which I perhaps didn't have before. Mm. And I've come to realise in this stage of my career that time is the most valuable commodity that you can have, whether that is spending it on work effectively or spending it on the priorities that are important to you, whether that be your partner, your family, your own free time. So I've focused really heavily on that. And I've also managed to carve out, I set myself a target of spending 20% of my time on not-for-profit activities, helping charities, putting some sort of good back, if you like, and saying thank you to the career that's sort of given me everything. I wanted to be able to give that back with my time and expertise. And you know whether it's exactly 20%, I couldn't tell you, but... I'm spending a fair proportion of my time doing things, you know, that are good things to do, make me feel good about myself, make, you know, help other people. So that's important as well. It's, it's taken me quite a long time to figure all this out. It wasn't an overnight plan. It was, a sort of, I guess, the accumulation of years of experience and then taking the time to reflect on where I can channel my energies and, the best direction and it's not complete it's it's always a kind of a work in progress so i don't sit down at the end of every day and think you know was that good was that not but every six months or so i'll stop i'll look at what i've done i'll sort of figure out was that good was that not where would where do i want to sort of shift it in what direction and being an entrepreneur and being in control of your own destiny that's the greatest luxury that you you can do that you you no one is telling me what i have to do and what i don't so i, I don't take that for granted 
Yeah, because you you know if it has to be done, it it kind of ha- it kind of will be done, isn't it? Is you know, it's it's no question of when. It's sort of it will be when exactly. you want it to be. Um, exactly. But going 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 back, I'd be interested. Um, things that you enjoy, things that you're good at, things that you're not good at, um, and getting other people to do that. That sort of speaks to the conundrum of expanding from the army of one. And and personally, personally, I have observed in the conference world, some people have uh, gone and borrowed a lot of money and said, right, my previous firm had this many employees in this many positions. They recreate it identically and they press play and then nothing happens. Um, versus people who have bootstrapped and built very, very, very slowly. I, I don't know if, if there's some kind of rhyme or reason to that, but but I wondered if you could talk about scaling. Yeah, you've got to figure out how you can scale, um, obviously, if you're going to grow. And look, for me personally, going back to what I didn't enjoy, one of the things I didn't enjoy was the sort of HR recruitment, being responsible for lots of people, having to spend, in my mind, a disproportionate amount of time and energy managing those people and dealing with whatever issues and not being able to focus on what I was good at, which was PR and marketing. So I made the decision in the next stage of my career, I'm not going to employ anyone. With that comes challenges. You know, you've only got a definitive amount of hours in the day or week that you can work. So how do you build a business if it's just you and my company is called Andrew Block and Associates and the associate model is my way of being able to scale so I partner with experts in their field whether they are the best agencies the best individuals the best companies and I use their resource and their teams and their time to help me scale the downside of what I'm doing is there isn't really an exit because it's all around me. And one of the key things when you exit and what you're buying is is people and no one's going to buy me because without me in my current guise, there is no business. It's my connections, my skill set, my network. Um, But that's fine because I'm deliberately, for me, this is a lifestyle business. But what I've done is I've invested in things that are scalable and do have an exit. So... Uh, with a lot of the clients that I sit on their board or I advise or I work with, I will take a piece of equity in their business um, in addition to a fee. And, you know, I'm only a few years in. One of them is very, very close to an exit. And if it comes off, it, I'll receive more money from that than I could have ever hoped for. Not all of them will, but that's it's a different business model. Um, I also don't believe that, you know, you can just look and repeat something else. You have to put your own twist on it. Has to be a point of difference. There has to be a reason for someone to work with you or want to work with you. Um, And there's something about when it means something and it's your own money, I think you make more conscious decisions. And for me, even when I was running an agency, you know, I was very, lucky I think is probably the easiest word to use to work with some of the biggest brands in the world but I found myself I'd get frustrated you know I'd be dealing with a sort of 23 24 year old brand manager out of Oxford or Cambridge 
um, with a master's in marketing that just wasted money, that weren't commercially astute, that didn't really care. They, they almost you know, needed to spend the money to justify getting an increased budget for next year. And it just frustrated me because the entrepreneur in me was like, what are you doing? Even though I was benefiting from it. And I got more pleasure from working with the founder of a business who'd remortgaged his house, who'd borrowed off friends and family, where every penny counted, where everything you did was scrutinized. I admired that hustle. I mean, they drive you mad, these sort of entrepreneurs. And I'm one of these people myself, so I'm sure I drive other people mad. But there was something about the energy of those sort of founders that it gave me a lot more pleasure. Although, I was, you know, look, I was very proud to work for big companies. I loved it. And I still do love working with big companies, but it didn't fulfill me um, without working with entrepreneurs next to them because it's different mentalities. And, you know, I, I, I feel the enthusiasm. I, I, I can sort of reflect it on, on a lot of the people in the world of conferences. I feel conferences themselves are quite entrepreneurial. And, you know, I'm a, bit, I'm a little bit biased uh, because every, every conference is a business, really. Um, but, but I guess how I'm still trying to think, how do we know when it's a lifestyle business and how do we know when it's scalable? Is, is it literally the desire to scale? Or, or are some things just stuck in the world of lifestyle businesses? If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MedCloud. Get connected. Cyber safe. Um, well, in the instance I gave you about my business, the, the reason why it can only ever be a lifestyle business is because it's just centered around one person. So when you're buying a company, you know, what are you buying? Um, the, the area I specialize in is marketing services. Events would come into that. There is a value to the assets that you have owning properties, but you're also buying the people, a management team, something that's scalable. No one wants to buy a business that has peaked or you know, obviously they don't want to buy a business that's in decline unless they're picking it up for nothing and think they can revive its fortune. So they're looking at how can this company scale? If we put money into it or connections into it, where are the synergies? Where are the growth opportunities? Where's the combined growth opportunity? So if one company buys another, can they introduce new clients? Can they expand them into different geographies? Can they give them the intellectual capabilities to know how to do things that they're not doing at the moment? And to do that, they need a, a strong foundation, a strong management team. If it's not in the case of services and it's a product-based company, then yes, the assets are extremely important. But again, people by people, essentially. So what they're looking for is motivated founders, strong management teams beneath them so that the responsibilities don't just lie with one person. Sometimes a company is exiting because someone wants to retire or someone wants to move into a different lifestyle. That's fine as well, as long as the next tier of management is there, is motivated. And they want those people to be hungry. You know, money is a big aspect. Money changes 
things for a lot of people. But if I think back to when I sold my company, I was mid thirties. It was, and I'm now approaching my half century. Um, so it was a while ago. Um, it was life-changing, completely life-changing for me. But not for one second did I ever consider retirement or taking it easy. I was so driven, so hungry, so buoyed up by the opportunity that I worked harder in the years post the sale than I'd worked before. And that almost seems perverse, but I guess that's what they saw in the company that they bought. Me, not just me, you know, a very, very dedicated and ambitious management team, plus a business that was growing, great client base, stability. And they figured, you know, we can help this company. We can help them expand geographically. We can help them invest in new services. There's a real opportunity. And we did massively grow the company in the years post-sale and have continued to do so ever since. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I, again, I feel your enthusiasm. Obviously, you know, this is done uh, as an audio podcast, but I, but I, but I, I can see, I can see you. We're talking, and I, I can see uh, the 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 motivation behind it. Um, I wonder if you can uh, maybe talk to us about any uh, advice that you've got that you've drawn from people you've worked with. Uh, maybe some of the contestants that have done well. What 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 have you learned? Um, you know, obviously, you know you might not be able to mention names but but you know what what lessons can you can you teach us from that oh, i think you learn different things from different people um and i definitely have evolved from having the opportunity to learn with some of the best learn from some of the best business people in the world um i guess if i was to draw out i don't know three or four different traits that i see you need to have a talent for what you do. You know, you've got to recognize what you're good at because otherwise you can just work extremely hard. And if you're average at what you do, you're never going to really succeed. Um, you need to work hard. There's not a single entrepreneur I know that has been successful without consistent hard work. And that doesn't mean like a burst of activity. It means day in, day out absolute dedication to what you're doing and consistency and just incrementally moving forward and progressing every single day. So that hard work element I see through everyone successful that I work with. And then I think you sometimes you just need a bit of luck. And, you know, yes, it's a cliche, you make your own luck. Um, it's a cliche to say the harder you work, the luckier you get. Both are true. I think what experience does is it provide you with the opportunity to spot lucky, in inverted commas, things. And what I've found in my career is I've learned to see these opportunities and I've got these lucky breaks, but they're not truly lucky because it's not a complete fluke. It's moments of fortune that will be put in front of you that through your experience, you have the ability to spot that opportunity. And I think if you can get those three things working sort of talent hard work and luck that's what where you achieve greatness and doesn't happen to everyone you know some people are super bright they're very very good at what they do but they're lazy and they don't put in the effort required 
other people work extremely hard every hour of the day and night hustle culture up at five in the morning but you know they just don't have the talent and they're, they're, they're putting their energy in the right direction and unfortunately some people have both talent and work hard and just don't get that break you know and we all need a bit of luck sometimes so those are some of the things I've learned I guess on the softer side uh, this just feels like I'm reeling off a load of cliches but then no no it's good you have to enjoy what you do and you know I'm pleased you say you can see my passion because it's entirely genuine and I do feel very blessed lucky if you want to use that word that I've fallen into something that I absolutely love and I don't get the Monday fear, the Sunday night fear, or whatever you want to call it. I, I generally love doing what I do. I'm not a freak. It's not every second of every day. We all have moments where it gets a bit too much or you have a crappy day and you just think, why do I bother? That's normal. I think it would be abnormal not to have those moments. But they've never, they've never been over a consistent period of time because I've always... I believe if you sort of stand still, you're moving backwards. You always have to challenge yourself, push yourself forward, if, if you're the type of personality that I am. And I've always done that. So I'm always mental, mentally challenged, intellectually challenged. Um, and that's why I love what I do. And I've built a career that plays to my skill set. There's a real diversity of things that I do. So I never have the opportunity to get bored. Um, and that's, you know, if you find that, actually you stop thinking about money, you stop thinking about growth at all costs, you just get on with it and it happens. And if I look at someone like Lord Sugar, you know, obviously a high profile example, he's 76 years old, he's got more money than he could possibly spend in a lifetime. Um He's got all the toys, you know, the boats, the private jets, the holiday homes across the world. Yet he works harder than 99% of people I know. And he balances that with being an unbelievable, and I really do mean that, husband, father, grandfather. And I, you know, often think, why do you bother? Like, you don't need to work. What are you doing? <laughs> You've got everything. But for him, and this is my interpretation, we've never really sort of spoken about it directly, but he enjoys it. And he does it because he enjoys it. And I think if he stopped, I don't think he's capable of stopping. Um, I think he'll be wheeled to his coffin from behind his, his desk. You know, like that is his personality. And you look at people like Rupert Murdoch or, you know, there's plenty of examples of entrepreneurs that don't need to be working that still do. Rupert Murdoch is 92, I think. Um, it's because they love it. It gives them their purpose. They enjoy it. That's why they do it. It's almost like a hobby in some ways. And in the 20 odd years of work with him, I've seen his style change slightly. I've seen him become maybe more relaxed about things that would wind him up five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, more balance in terms of you know, his attitude to certain things to do with business. But I, I can guarantee you if I messaged five people I work with now, he'd be the first one to respond. You know, he's always there, always available. 
but also knows when to shut off. And that is such a skill. I mean, the skill of being able to balance everything is certainly something I've never mastered. I mean, I, I try and get better and better at it, and I'm definitely better today than I was a year ago. I mean, you know, this time a year ago, I was better than I was two years ago. But it's constant work in progress, I think. Um, so, yeah, find something that you enjoy and it doesn't feel like work. That I think is 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 a great soundbite, a great piece of advice. Because if you can do that, then I think you're winning whatever whatever happens. Um, uh, so 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 yeah. And this this is this is a, a great pleasure for me because obviously I'm a, a big fan of the, you know the series and now your work. So even 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 this is testament uh, to to that as well. Um, Andrew, what's what's next for you? Where where can we next find you? Well. Good question. I'll be in Dublin tomorrow with Lord Sugar with his receiving an award and we're going out to um, get that award, um, which is nice. And I think we all need some sort of external recognition has been awarded. Um, it's called the Praise Award. It's from the um, Law Society in Dublin. Um, so it's really nice. And he's, we're going out with his wife and his kids, um, which will be a good trip. Um, I'm doing a lot on the M&A side, so buying and selling companies. I buy for some of the biggest marketing groups and management consultancies in the world, helping them find specific assets that they want. And on the flip side, I'm also working to sell businesses to them, as well as sort of private equity and venture capital and so on. Um, I work with... Um, an organization called AAR, which is a management consultancy that specializes in marketing. And I help big firms select agencies, um, help them make sense of how they do their marketing. So I've just finished a big pitch for Starbucks to help them find a new social media and content agency globally. Um, I'm just about to start on a new client who I can't reveal just yet, but um busy with lord sugar um the new series of the apprentice will start beginning of next year but we're already sort of planning ahead on that and then our friends in saudi are constantly keeping me busy so there's a show that um called in flavor okay. in a couple of weeks where um it's a food and hospitality show so marco pierre white we're taking out there They've got another show which we're planning called Cosmoprof, which is a fashion and beauty show that they, they've just acquired. So I'm trying to find the world's top models, supermodels, to go out there. Tough job, but someone's got to do it. And then Leap happens in March, which is, as you know, big technology shows. So we're working on that. So there's loads going on, absolutely loads going on at the moment. Fantastic. Well, it's action packed. Um, I, I very much look forward to to seeing you at uh, some of these events, and uh, yeah, I, I I do I do hope people reach out. And you, you you're probably stacked up to the nines with uh, you know people contacting you, but but I but I like the idea that these podcasts can also help uh, foster uh, connections within the industry. Um, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on the Van Gogh Podcast. It's been a great pleasure to have you on. Um, and uh, yes, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'll see you in Saudi, if not closer, soon.
Thank you very much. MedCloud. Get connected. Cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MedCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com.